Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, and thanks for logging on to YAT Radio. It's time for Breaking Chains, Raising the Sound, featuring the spirit-filled, soothing sound of a mind-blowing experience. Sponsored by the Williams Music Group. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you. I greet you in the name of God, the Father, God, the Son, Jesus, the Christ, and God, the Holy Spirit. I pray all is well with you all throughout the land. Whatever situation you're going through, I pray that you just put it in God's hands and let him handle it. And if you don't know him, before this evening is over with, I pray that something will be said that you will get to know him and want to know him. Amen. Uh, Let us humble ourselves and go to the throne of God in prayer. Most gracious and merciful Father, we come in the name of your son, Jesus the Christ, Lord God, led of the Holy Spirit. Give you all honor, glory, and praise, Lord God, as we thank you for opening our eyes this morning to see another beautiful day of your creation, Lord God, and ask for your forgiveness, Lord God, of our sins and our many unrighteous acts before you, Lord God. Father God, we thank you for breaking change right now, Lord God, as we sign on to raising the sound. Lord God, we ask that you bless everyone that be listening today, Father God, and their families, Lord God, that you will put a special blessing, Father God, over our guest today, Lord God, very powerful man and God that's going to come before us, Lord God. Bless him and his family, Lord God. Touch them right now in the name of Jesus, Father God. Bless me and my family in this ministry, Lord God, as we open doors and break chains. YET Radio is signing on in the name of Jesus. Everybody suit up. Put on your full armor, God. You know what time it is. Break your chains is signing on the air. YAT Radio is going live. Let's go. I don't know what you're going through, but we stop by to tell you that what's in front of you is bigger than what's behind you. Your destiny, your promise, your future. You might as well shout before you get it, because God sent me here to tell you that what he has for you is going to be big. That it's my season. That it's my season. You ought to declare that over your own life. Say, I believe. I believe. That it's my time. That it's my time. It's my time. It's my time. And I can feel it. And I can feel it. <laughs> Say, breakthroughs in the room. Breakthroughs in the room. It's yours if you want it. Anticipating. God's getting ready to move. God's getting ready to move. Listen, you ought to declare this over your own life. Say it. God, he's working a miracle just for me.
you're listening to Breaking Chains. Call in live during the show at 858-357-9137. And listen live on our website at youngadultstalk.org. All right. Thanks a lot, big bro. Welcome back to the show, Breaking Chains, raising the sound on YAT Radio. Uh, Listen, I play that song right there uh, because that's a powerful song. We have to start looking at our lives like that. We Too many people are depressed. Too many people are frustrated. Too many people are going through things, don't know how to get out of it, and God is right there. God wants to blow your mind, but you got to accept him. You got to look to the hills from which come your help because your help come from the Lord. Stop looking to your homeboy, your homegirl, and start looking to Christ. You understand? Oh, man, I ain't here to do this, man. Let me hush. Let me hush. You, you, listen, <laughs> this show right here today is a powerful show. Um, because we come on every Sunday and we're featuring uh, uh, young artists that are doing music, praising the Lord through music, through poetry, uh, spoken word. Uh, uh, and, and, and this is like, um, besides myself coming on last week, I wanted to do something special this week because uh, we are in a special uh, time uh, for this ministry. Uh, uh, we, we started off our 25th silver anniversary on yesterday. Uh, uh, and, and that's 25 years of, of, of being dedicated to Christ. No matter, no matter, listen, no matter what is going on in our life, we kept the faith and we kept this ministry going to, to get God all the glory. It's not about us. We tell you this. And, 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 and I wanted to acknowledge that before we get started, because this is a powerful time for us. And we just thank God for the opportunity to serve him for 25 years. Hallelujah. You understand? Thank God for the opportunity to be used as a servant of his. All right. So today's guest, uh, very, very serious. Listen, uh, our very own overseer, uh, and we talked about that. It's like, hey, who can you, who who can God send to you better to oversee your ministry with you and and, and to make sure that that you stay in your guidelines and you learn the word and you studying and, and, and that you stay in focus on God, period. And uh, then our special guest today, uh, Pastor Dr. LaVert Kemp out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You understand, he, he has a lot of titles. He wears a lot of hats. Uh, he runs the United Theological Seminary and Bible College. Uh, he's, a pa- he's a pastor uh, for, wow, over 25 years. And uh, he, he, he's doing it. So I'm going to let him tell his story. So I want to just introduce to everybody and uh, welcome to the show today, and God bless you very much, our overseer, Pastor Dr. LaVert Kemp. Good afternoon, Pastor. How you doing, sir? Uh, yes, good evening to each and every one, and God bless, God you. bless you. It's a blessing to be on here tonight, I mean, this evening with uh, with you, Reverend Williams. God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Pastor, today, this show is going to be a little different than what you come on through the week. It's going to be different from your show that you do on Tuesday night, History Talk, uh, with Dr. LaVert Kemp. Uh, tonight, Pastor, this show is dedicated uh, to you, uh, uh, telling your life story, uh, telling things that you've been through that will blow people's mind. Uh, uh, you know, what was going on in your life when, when Christ touched you and came and got you, and, 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 and so much is going on. So we just want to start off by asking the first question, who is Lavert Kemp. Tell us about Lavert Kemp. Well, Lavert Kemp is, is a very uh, simple person. I was born um, to Fred and Ethel Kemp in 1951, December 23rd. 
in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and uh, I grew up, we were poor, and uh, I had a, a good Christian childhood. I was baptized at the age of 10 with the Christian faith. Uh, I grew up during a time of segregation and, and a lot of racism being in the South, and uh, I grew up in the urban area near downtown Baton Rouge. So we experienced a lot of things. Um, I went to was educated uh, at one of the at the oldest uh, school, public school in, in the whole state of Louisiana. I graduated from McKinley High School. Uh, growing up uh, in Baton Rouge, uh, very it was very very prejudiced places. They're better, but it's very racist and prejudiced place. I remember the bus riding on the back of the bus. Those don't know that before Martin Luther King ever had a bus boycott, the bus boycott was started here in 53. And later on, uh, Dr. King um, took his pattern from um, Dr. T.J. Jemison. That's If you ever look it up, his book, you'll find out that he his pattern came from what T.J. Jemison did in Baton Rouge. So uh, we grew up seeing um, when I was old, I got out, excuse me, the last part of the, really the uh, segregation part of the bus uh, riding on the back, I can remember, I remember uh, the black and white water fountain, the black and white restaurants. I, I can remember those things. I never went to an integrated school. I went to a Perkins Elementary which was the oldest school in Baton Rouge, but it wasn't the oldest high school because they didn't have a high school in the early 80s, I mean 1800s in public high school. Uh, then I ended up going to McKinley, which is uh, McKinley from third through six. I went to uh, McKinley Junior through seven through nine. And I went to McKinley Senior, which is the oldest public high school in the state of Louisiana. It was started in 1907. So this is, and, and my parents, like, as I say, my parents were very, very uh, Christian people. We grew up, we had to go to church. It was mandatory that we go to church and Sunday school. Uh, not like a lot of people who allow their kids to sleep in. We had to go out and, 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 and we had to get up every Sunday morning and be in church and Sunday school. You couldn't live in the house like that. We grew up. We couldn't bring things just to the to the house. That say a friend of mine gave me this bicycle. We couldn't do that. I had a very very uh, strict family, and we were a very strict family. And, and uh, I'm proud of that. Uh, my father was a great a great provider. Although we were poor, but we were poor. And I would like to say this, uh, Pastor uh, William. Uh, we were poor and didn't know we were poor because we always had food, deed, clothes. And when my father came from World War II, he purchased a home. And so mm-hmm. we had a, a roof over our head. We, we always had food. And we had a mother that didn't live extravagant, and she could sew. She would make different things. And uh, so she was always there cooking and cleaning and had things to go. And we were always had clean clothes. So. I was blessed to have a wonderful mother and father who raised us, and they were very strict. And I just want to add this to it. We were strict. It was like five boys and two girls, and most of the time it like was six of us. And 
I'm number seven. I'm the last child. I'm number seven child child of my parents, the youngest of seven. And uh, I have siblings that's old enough to be my parents. When I came into existence being, they were old enough to be my parents. But I, I grew up and we grew up, We it was mandatory that we try to get an education because my parents came off of sugarcane plantation where they picked sugar cane, they cut sugar cane and picked cotton. And uh, so they never wanted us to experience what they experienced. And like I say, they lived uh, over in the rural area and we call it the country. And we grew up like right from downtown Baton Rouge. And so uh, we didn't experience a lot of things that they, that they experienced and things like that. And times had been better. But they wanted so much better for the kids. And so, but we experienced a lot of uh, things like racism. Like I remember fishing at City Park and, and I must have been about, uh, I must have been about 10 or 11. And the white policeman, this white kid was, was, was taking his feet. We call him Chubb. He would roll, uh, cut logs, cut the tree and cut the logs up. Well, he would take his foot and push it in the lake. And uh, some people, some of these millionaires that lived around the lake was telling that kids were pushing those logs in the lake. And the white policeman came and they put out, put their foot in our back, me and Harmon, Harmon, Harmon Grayson. Now we call them stick. And they used their feet to push us in the water and tell us to go get the logs. Well, we didn't put them in there. And we didn't know how deep the lake was. So all we could, I could do was cry. And he was a little bit older than me. He had to be about 12 or 13. And I never will forget that. And they kept telling us to go. And we told them who had, that the white kid had did it, but they never went at him. That's what they did to us. And later on, at 19, Harmon Grayson died in 1968 at 19 years old in Vietnam. He was killed in Vietnam. Um, something that hurt me till today knowing what we went through and, and experiencing seeing we used to see the clans marching down one of the major thoroughfares. But one thing I have to have to always say this. We never were afraid of white men or white women at all in the community that we grew up in and those who are listening and, 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 and come out of that community will tell you we had some a uh, whole lot of the guys that you know that that lived in the community had been to prison, and I mean the roughest prison in the United States during the time the most bloody. You can look it up, Louisiana State Prison at Gola, because most of it was a plantation, and most of the slaves that was on that plantation come from Angola, so they call it Angola, and it's called Angola, Louisiana now, but it's Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola. Uh, they lived in the neighborhood, so we grew up knowing that we had to stand up for ourselves. We grew up well with the mindset that we had to be tough and we weren't going to be afraid of white or black kids. And we, you know, we we call it Baton Rouge, and even to this day, it's very, very. Uh, it's a very, very tough place. It's very tough. Uh, the young African Americans, there's a lot of murdering and going on in it, and it's one of the oldest sections 
of Baton Rouge. So these are things that I faced at a young age, and I, as I look back over it, it was uh, who I am. It, it made me who I am. I was born in a house. I wasn't never born in a hospital. We didn't, like, have different doctors, a whole lot of remedies that they used on us back then. Uh, parents are running you to the hospital. Now, uh, I think, um, and I like to say, say uh, Reverend William, I God for poor black people because we, because a whole lot of times we couldn't make it to hospitals and they had home remedies or things that 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 the old African American grandparents used to give us for ourselves to take instead of sending us to a hospital because they couldn't afford it or they were they they made you wait to that different hospitals didn't accept you in it so. You couldn't go, and uh, so it, it it really made us really really tough. It made the kids tough because we we didn't know too much about going to hospitals. We could go to a doctor, but just to say you go to a hospital, unless we had to drive a whole lot of people that were born in hospitals uh, in the forties and in the in the, in, in the early fifties, they thirties uh, they were born in New Orleans. They, you would drive you and on their birth certificate, you could be from Baton Rouge, but if you see where you was born, you always find out they say you was born, you was born, you're a native of New Orleans, but really you're a native of Baton Rouge because they had to bring you there, some little country town, they had to bring you there to be born. So and that is my earliest beginning and going, and you know, through school, and, and my earliest education in school was never. I, I could be the class clown. I I was sort of a bully in, in my later years, maybe in junior high school. I was kind of bullified. I did do some things that I'm not proud of. Uh, uh, I did things uh, because I was always, uh, I was being the youngest of seven and had a whole lot of older brothers. They learned me how to at an early age, and so I could take care of business pretty good. And uh, I grew up like that. I, I grew up uh, knowing what I had to do. Uh, but I was good in school. My, my parents uh, pushed us to do good in school. All my sisters and brothers, most of them are educated. And we were not the soft kids in the neighborhood. Matter of fact, we were maybe some of the toughest kids in the neighborhood, but we were some of the smartest. So I would tell anyone because of, because a person that's pretty sharp, uh, a smart doesn't mean that they can't buy, they can't defend themselves. It just means that their mind is set on that educational aspect of life. Uh, I know that because I came from a house of a lot of educated people. My sisters and children were educated. Everybody was good education. And all and myself too, but we all, everyone that knew us knew that we were some of the like some of the roughest kids in the neighborhood. But uh, so I came up, I came up just like the majority of the kids coming up today. Uh, we used to get in trouble. I'm, I'm, I need to say this: we used to get, we call it farm, but we used to get in trouble because, as I said, I grew up. Not far from downtown Baton Rouge and along the railroad track, and you might hear a train pass or anything. But uh, they had different Nabisco company where they have all the cookies they take delivered to uh, 
to the store of Swiss Meat where they had all the meat they would take it to uh, uh, Sunbeam Bakery to baker shops and honey buns and cakes and all. All we had to do was walk down the railroad track and the back door was open because the train was unloading things or they were loading uh, the trucks up with goods. And we had storehouses of cookies and we had uh, Dr. Pepper plays. We had, had storehouses in the neighborhood. We had storehouses of all the cold drinks with sodas we wanted. We had all the sodas we wanted to. We had all the cookies and uh, uh, Ritz and we had... Uh, Oreos and we had vanilla wafers, you name it. We had all we wanted. We we never had to worry about that because we could walk right on the railroad track and 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 use the five finger credit club and and get it and uh, go down and get bread, get fresh, freshly baked bread and get get whole big boxes of it. And when they bring the uh, honey buns and all these other cakes and things back, we could go and wait till the truck. Go in the truck, get it, and just walk off with it. And so we did a lot of little things that kids shouldn't do. And because, like I said, we grew up in the inner city. And then, like I said, not far from downtown, we had a lot of businesses near us and living by the railroad track. Um, they had beer companies and everything where they would unload the car by car, and we could go and see it and sneak in and get cases and it was, so it was it was uh pretty much uh it was pretty much uh about the average thing that you go in if you grow up in a city it wasn't a big city Baton Rouge wouldn't be called a big city it, it, it would be called like it wouldn't be in a million but you would call a medium-sized city and so uh we we always had a lot of things that uh, some of the largest city had, and we did my majority of the same thing that largest cities do. So, but I was blessed again to say that I had this mother and father that was pretty that was strict pretty about, strict education, about education, education and um, about church and church about, about being a Christian. And we we had we we couldn't just mess a day. We we had this thing. I see parents today. I've been pastoring twenty seven years. And I see people could stay at home and lay in bed, and their parents won't tell them anything. If my parents got up to go to church, and that was going to be every Sunday, you couldn't set up in that house and walk off. Everybody was going to be in line going to church. And I was going to be the littlest, we had to walk, and I would be the littlest person in the group and the slowest walker. And I do walk to church. We, so we, we, we really enjoyed it. And we didn't have buses to ride us, like to go ride to school. You see, I catch the bus, a yellow school bus, pick up and take you to school. Well, school, the senior high school was almost a mile, you could say a mile away. Rain, shine, sleet, and snow. We walked to school. And we graduated. We walked to school. And then we had to walk and go on. And some other, we call it other territory, because I lived in what you call the top, is more closer to downtown, and they had the bottom. But I had so many friends of mine that lived in the bottom, I never had a problem when there was like gang war, because I had so many friends in both areas and things, and when you're like that, you know, you never really have a, have a problem, or if somebody have a beef with you from that area, then your friends that live, they're going to take care of the business. But that's my that's my boy. You you know, don't mess with that one. Him 
And so we grew up pretty much like that. You see, I see so many things like little movies that they have, and I think about so much about how I grew up and things. And so uh, I was never really like a timid person. Um, They say I never wanted to be a pastor. I never wanted to be a preacher. If someone would ever told me that I would be doing uh, being a pastor, being uh, the director and founder of a seminary, uh, I would have told them there was a lie. And anyone that knew me and knew the type of a person and the way I would act and care of myself at times, they would have said, there's no way that that guy could be end up being a pastor. Uh, no way. I didn't think it. I wouldn't have never thought it myself. And so many people were amazed that this was what I ended up becoming this pastor. In my early childhood, it was really about my parents uh, uh, pushing us and and the area in which I live and kind of the streets teaching us. The the street was teaching us to uh, survive. I I heard a story about it was a country rat, and I'm going to try to put it bases on this. It was a country rat, and he had a cousin that lived in the city, and he called the, the cousin living in the city was fat. And uh, whenever the, uh, the city rat would come there, big stuff, the city rat would come to the country, he would tell his little cousin about how how, how good it was living in the city. And he'd tell him about the restaurants and, and the meat markets and all that they had. And the country rat, he didn't have nothing but some sugar cane, cotton patches, and a little feed that they throw to the to the uh, chicken. And so he told him, now, I want you to move to the city, but I want you to know, keep your, don't let your butt get caught in any traps, because there's a lot of traps out there. So when the country rat moved there, the city rat said, I'm going to show you the rope. So he took him to a restaurant. And he told him, now, the food's going to be out. And he went there, but he told him, now, they got traps for you. And they had to go all around the, the traps. And so they got to the food. So then after he left the restaurant, he went to some people howling, raiding garbage came, but they had cats there. He said, now, watch, see that animal, that animal will get you. So in other words, he took him where everything was plentiful, but that was traps. Everywhere he went, went, but he was fed because he had so many restaurants and nightclubs and everything to eat from. Cheese factory, he had everything to eat from. But he had to dodge the traps of life, the rat traps, the pardon that they were set down. So he had to educate his cousin when he came from the country about the traps of life. And that is with us as we grow up. We need to teach our children that when they get older and they get exposed to a lot of things, that there are traps in life that we have to avoid. Amen. 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 Thank you for that, Pastor. So, um, tell us as you got older and, uh, you know, wilding out and being out there, there was a story you told me about uh, that that racism that you had to take on and the beating that you took. Um Tell, um, okay. tell people about that story, Beth. Okay, I, I, I okay. As I say, I wasn't always uh, a preacher. I grew up in um, 
during the time when I was in seventh grade, they were passing different things for blacks to try to get rights, and Kennedy got killed when I was in seventh grade, President John F. Kennedy. In 1968, I got arrested because Martin Luther King got killed. And where I lived, we were didn't for that Snyder's department store. In the area in which I lived, they had a lot of, like, businesses. Really, if you went to 13th Street or East Boulevard, they had businesses. I mean, like, black-owned, then they had white and black-owned businesses, shoe stores, baker shops, you know, uh, clothing stores, and things like that. And um, they burned one down one night, and but it was a curfew because Martin Luther King died. And i never forget, we were out on the street, and we went to see – which building was burning down? So they had a curfew so that National Guard and they ran and they ran. They caught my other friend, but they didn't catch me. I ran and I made it and I went and I sat on my steps. But they tricked me because I didn't know the law that if the curfew violation, that if you are if you at home, they can't arrest you. I made it home, but I I let them talk to me like this. Just come out the yard and talk to us. They didn't know. They thought I ran in somebody else's yard. Well, they arrested me that night because we didn't burn the building down, the store down, the apartment store down. But if someone else did burn the apartment store down, and uh, we, well, we was there. Well, we 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 wasn't far from it when the National Guard seen us. And start chasing us. We ran because we knew we were not supposed to be out. And we were gonna fight back against white, the white, white rule. And we we was kids. We was young teenagers, but we were gonna stand up to them. And we did things that I can't talk about on the air. And uh, I never forget uh, they arrested us. And I I was just I would think I was just turning seventeen. And it was, you know, you got to go to jail. And there's people up in here, this homosexual stuff. And you're going like, man, I'm going to be a fighter when I go up in here. This, there's no way I'm going to come out like that. And uh, we went in. We went with that. That was the, that was the first time I had been put in jail. And I was 17. That's when Martin Luther King got killed. Uh, and then uh, later on, I, I, I graduated out of high school. But I have to say this. I was... I always could score real high on the California Achievement Test, different tests. I would test high in reading comprehension and things like that. I'd score real high. So I, I always could could understand what I read, and I was very good. And I didn't know that I was really gifted. I was told that I was gifted in it, but I never took it took heed to it that I was good, at, that that was my gift. Well, I, I, later on in, in, in life, we you know we went through a lot of racist things. I, w- I went to the military, and I, I, I wasn't uh, a person that could take take orders that good because uh, the different racial stuff that I had been involved in. And I went in in uh, uh, December. That was '69, and uh, I went in and. Uh, I just, I couldn't get along. I couldn't get along. Well, I couldn't get along with white people. I didn't like them, and a lot of things occurred. And later on, I ended up, uh, well, I can say they kicked me out. I got an honorable discharge on the general, general condition. But 
I came home and I, me and my little girlfriend was got together and she ended up getting pregnant. But I went to New York because I, you know, I'm a player. I'm a run and be on the run. So I decided that I had a father. My father was there with me. I'm gonna go home and I'm a kid. I was I came home with my brother and I came from New York, Brooklyn, matter of fact. We came to Baton back to Baton Rouge, and he he was going. He you know he worked there. He was going back, and uh, I went to on. Uh, my brother went back about Christmas of seventy uh, one, and uh, January tenth of seventy two. I took early in the morning, and I didn't have an automobile. I walked downtown to the unemployment office to get my uh, money to come to Baton Rouge and I was going to apply for a job because unemployment wouldn't have been able to take care of me and a baby too because my girlfriend was about to deliver uh, that month. And um, i never forget, uh, the Muslim was in town and they said they were giving the town Baton Rouge back to uh, black folk. And they had two vehicles parked and I stopped. I seen some of my friends and I called some names, Percy Hurd and Roosevelt Cave. And we had a day to live marijuana and some wine and they were glad to see me back in town. And we had a little drink and a, a smoke a little weed and talking and watching what was going on. And all of a sudden, the Muslim kept saying they were going to turn the uh, city. They were from out of state. They were from up north. They were going to turn the city back over to the blacks. And so I told, I, I noticed that they had beat this white police, this uh, news report, they beat him real bad. He never came back. He was like a vegetable. He could just lay there. And uh, they started breaking the windows out of uh, the different uh, white-owned businesses and things. Uh, they did that, and they, they jumped on white guys with bikes, that was on motorbikes. And so the police came, and uh, they confronted the Muslims, and they told them where Toyota, and uh, they told them they weren't going to let them t- uh, tow away that uh, Cadillac. Nevertheless, they stood, and i never forget it like it was today, they confronted the uh they confronted uh the police looked like uh looked like uh they had a couple hundred policemen out that day they even had uh they even had helicopters like like gunships flying in there that day and I'm looking so I'm going like something bad about to happen. And I told my friends, I said, hey, man, look, look, uh, something bad going to happen. I see M16s, and I hear a helicopter overhead. I'm not talking about this, this, this traffic helicopter. I'm talking about a uh, 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 Chinook or whatever, and they, they clock, 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 and they make that sound. And I, uh, there's no little stay and see uh, what's going to happen. And I want to let you know if you ever get to a point where your mind tells you to go, you need to go. And I I, uh, I didn't leave. I stayed and followed what someone else thought. And uh, the police told them about moving that Cadillac. 
And I never forgot they 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 started telling me Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, God is great. And they stopped and took a stand in the front of the Cadillac. And when the police chief came, because the lead Muslim was talking with the police chief, this white police chief, you know, they think they're bigger than they're they bad. He's going to come up and get in the black guy's face and grab him. He hit him so hard, he knocked him, <laughs> he knocked him out. And then all of a sudden, they start fighting with the police, and they start disarming the police. They were taking the police guns with beating them. So the police uh, start shooting. With not having the correct training, military training, they was behind us and in the front. So they was shooting straight in at us. So if you duck on the ground or if you run from in the middle of a firefight, then you shoot yourself. So I run in a cafe. I don't know where my friends went. But I went to the cafe, and a guy came in the cafe, and he threw a gun away. And uh, they was they was opening the door of the cafe, shooting, so I could just get stare against the wall. So finally, I went. And I made it to behind the bar, and I started drinking the guy beer because I I knew what was going to happen because they beat us with Martin Luther King. Uh, died and when they came in, I didn't know how many police had got killed. And uh, two police was killed. About seven was wounded. Uh, I think two black people were killed too in the gun battle. A whole lot of them was wounded. A lot was wounded with, with buckshots, all kind of thing. Well, when they came in there, I'll never forget they was hollering, "Ah, nigga, you done killed two of us." And they was hitting us with the butter guns, sticks that beat us worse than, I mean, you, you've you seen Rodney King and some, some of the beatings that they put on people. They put beatings on us so bad because these white police got killed. This is in 72. They're taking pity on them today. Although you say they beat them bad today, they're taking pity the way they beat us. They beat us so bad. And then they charged, charged us with having, uh, being like, uh, they didn't know who murdered them, so they charged us with it and gave me a million dollar bond after beating me. So I went on maximum security for a while. And I had, and I, I stayed back there for a while, and I ended up finding out that I wasn't going to sue the city and I wasn't going to do uh, sue the state. No, I mean, I wasn't going to testify for the state, and I wasn't going to testify for the Muslims. And I and I wasn't gonna sue them, and they would let me out. And I was afraid to go before all about seventy-two. I was gonna get go before an all-white jury and see what just about all-white jury. See, uh, in Louisiana, you don't have to have a mandatory twelve-man jury to say you're guilty. All you have to do is have the just like a majority of people say, the seven or eight of them, like eight of them say you're guilty. You guilty, and they're gonna have about eight whites. And no matter if you was innocent, they're gonna find you guilty. And so I would have been either electrocuted or something, and I knew it. So I went on to sign out. But I mean, I went through something. I, I, I've been, I would beat so. I mean, they treated me like bad. Chained me up everywhere I went. I was chained up. So I, I, I learned a lesson a lot from them. I've never been afraid of white folk, and they know it. 
And today people wonder why I stand up to them. It's, I was, I, my dad, my father used to tell us, boy, hold your head up. Wherever you go, don't ever walk with your head down. Because when you walk looking down, it's a sign of being defeated. He always said, hold your head up. When you talk to people, look, 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 look them in the face. Don't hold your head down. So, and so, uh, uh, if you know anything about white folks, they do not like you to look them in the face. They want you to look down when you talk to them. If you hold your head up with pride, they say you uppity, or you think you more than you supposed to think you. I've had all these names called to me, but uh, I learned a lot through about. Uh, that racial stuff and, and what uh, Reverend Williams was talking about. I've been through the gamut. I know about the, the being beaten. I, that, that being beaten, my head was swollen up, my mouth was bust, my ribs was all sore. I mean, they, they lied to my brother, told my brother I was getting in fights while they, wasn't, they didn't want them to see me in the shape I was in. And so it, it, it's something that I know about what goes on. So it's nothing that when they say about how they treat black kids and how, how, how they do you, I already know. Been there, I received that. I've been in, I got pictures right now. I have the magazine from uh, January 10th, 1972. I have Jet Magazine, me with a Tommy gun, machine gun, printed in my face, almost on my cheek, turned over, looking straight at the, at the Tommy gun. With my head down in water, until it started raining that day, uh, with handcuffs from behind, checking our handcuffs, and uh, and Look at Life magazine too, and and and, and Jet, Jet magazine. I, I have pictures. I have the, the magazine. My son uh, purchased the magazine, so it's nothing that I, I'm making up. Because if uh, you want to see it, I, I have the magazine, or you could just. Google uh, about the ride on, on North Boulevard in 19, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 1972. And you want the Jet Magazine copy, and you'll see this young man that they, that the police turning over and put a put this, uh, like, Al Capone tummy gun, machine gun, to in his face. So that would be me. And you'll notice you'll see me again laying flat with handcuffs. Uh, so I, I understand when I see that these guys, police, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, how they show how bad they beat the kids and the young black men or young black women, how bad you get beat. Well, I, I know about it because I, I, I experienced it. You know, they say, unless you walk a mile in my shoes, you don't know how bad my feet hurt. Well, I already know how bad it is because... My feet hurt it bad. I, in other words, when I say my feet, I'm talking about I was in a lot of pain. So uh, I suffered. I was in the hole and uh, and and things where you where the where the toilet was like a flange in the floor, and they flush you from the outside. No wonder concrete walls still do it. They fed you through a little shoot thing at the bottom. One iron bed. It wasn't. It, I I don't know if it was by. With a six by six and a half, and and things like that. The first couple of days, I only got like uh, two slices of bread and a cup of coffee in the morning. That was all I got. So I I, I understand what it is and things like that. If any of you know, no one could tell me 
It's not like uh, some of the people are, today don't know what it's like. I, I know what it's like. I, and during the time I went through it, I mean, they were just passing it. Like I said, I, I never uh, went to integrated school. Uh, some, they, they were just getting integrated by the time I, I really got in. And in Baton Rouge, there was about in, in about 68, 67, 68, right, integrating a public high school. And we didn't go in. The kids wasn't, the white kids wasn't going to come to McKinley, period. It was like Cooley High. They wasn't going to come there. They were going to get beat. And the kids was not going to be afraid of where we grew up. They wasn't afraid of them. It would have been a massacre if they would have sent them around the kids where we where I grew up with. And so uh, that's that that's 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 that that's dealing with the riots. I've always participated in uh, not just riots, but I've always participated in in things dealing with blacks getting uh, African American getting their rights. I've always stood up for what I believe, and no one will ever make me sell out or bag down from anyone long as I know the truth and that's why when I do history talk I'm very well versed in what I say because I'm going to do my homework on everything so when I talk to uh, Europeans I'm not going to call them white well when I talk to the European people from Europe uh, I want them to know I know what I'm talking about and 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 I hear so many times certain individuals don't know what they're talking and and so I was blessed to be able to to get a very very good education, and I, I utilized that education to teach others because we were not taught um, in school. So I know that 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 uh, Pastor Williams is had the question he need to ask, me. but he wanted me to share that with you. So if you ever want to look it up, it's called the Race Ride in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, 1972. They also uh, they killed some students later on that year at Southern University uh, in '72. So Baton Rouge was uh, kind of we 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 we've uh, had a lot of things that we've had a lot of things to burn uh, not burn excuse me uh, we had H. Ralph Brown he was from here and he say he had the uh he wrote a book called Die N Word Die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, he said, then they had burn, baby, burn. They was talking about firebombing and doing all kinds of things back then. Uh, because uh, we were the people, uh, the Civil Rights Bill was passed in 1964. But it wasn't enacted until 74. In other words, it just was written down. But the people wasn't trying to give blacks uh join unions and black was trying to get in the way you wasn't going to do it but it wasn't an actor so if you do the math and you you'll say well 47 going on 48 years ago that's when we really got equal talking about being treated our civil rights that was enacted put in active so that's 47 years so when people tell you that we need to catch up how can you catch up with a person with a 400 year jump on you catch up with them in seven years by with the money, the finances, the education, and everything else. You can't catch up with them because they stole everything that they have. 
they killed the Native Americans and took everything from them, the land and everything, and they enslaved us, and we worked and built a country. Amen. Amen. Oh, wow. Thank you for that, Pastor. Um, and it's something because I, I, I needed you to share that because there's somebody out there that's listening that that, that feels like it, what they've been through or, 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 or something that they've done in life that God won't forgive them and, and bring them through and and, 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 you know, they can get into what their destiny is, what their calling is. And this is where I'm going to go now because after everything that you experienced, all of the racism, every, the beating, everything that you went through, here you are getting a call from the Lord and your life changed. Pastor, just tell them about the call because, because after all of that, how, how did you receive that call and even accept it. Talk about that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I still have to go back to a little bit before after getting out of jail with that. I I prayed to God that if he would get me out, you know, I would get back in the church and I would change. But again, I failed to keep my promise to God. I became a, a drug dealer. And on a large scale, I've been uh, arrested for distribution of Schedule One and Schedule Two drugs. Well, distribu- manufacturing and distribution of Schedule One, Schedule Two drugs. I've been arrested more than one time for selling drugs because I thought I was smart and I had connections with people that could um, get large quantities. And I didn't have to sell on the small scale. I could sell pounds or whatever I wanted to. And I could go out at night and spend all kind of money. Uh, I was into that. Like I say, then I I had this thing that uh, the Bible teaches about pride come before art heart, art heart before downfall. I wasn't afraid of uh, going to jail. I know know who I am. I know I'm a man. I never worried about homosexual stuff like that because uh you know i know who i am i know who i am and i never i don't worry about never worry so i was going to do it and not thinking about the people that i was hurting doing because i even did it when i was making good money i mean i was had one of the top paying jobs almost in the state and still wanted to sell drugs at the same time god had blessed me now i'm making good money and I had good jobs. I mean, I worked with, with computers and all sort of things because I was pretty good up in my head. I, I was a decent person. I had a decent mind, and I could I could I could do different type works. Um, I could draft. I could do a lot of different things. Um, so I, I was into that, and I started working. So I, I was be honest, which I bought my way out of jail with those things. I had money from selling drugs and I would I would pay my way out of it. It was ways that you could give lawyers and they could work deal with judges and you don't have to go to court. But it's different now. A lot of judges wanna accept, you know, well I, I guess they're bribes. I don't know, I guess you call them bribes or whatever. And um I had a connection where I could do different things. So on several occasions until they got tired of me and said I couldn't pay them or put could they couldn't buy them anymore, and so uh, but I I I, I uh, got caught up on them. I got addicted to them, 
And I went to drug rehab the first time. And I think I was straight for about three or four years, and I started using again. And I went back in, and I said that must have been 88. And uh, in 1988, I went back in. After I had been in, in 83, I went back again in 88. 83 wasn't, wasn't good enough. I went back to my old, 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 old thing, selling and doing it again. And uh, I, uh, in 88, I, I went in, and in, in, in it was April 1488. I went and put myself back in. Like I said, I got a good job. I wasn't, I just made my mind up. I couldn't go nowhere and find a job paying the money that I was making. And I wasn't going to let, I say the funky white powder, I'm going to tell you about the cocaine, the funky white powder caused me to lose that job. So I volunteered to go back in for a second time because at Exxon, if they caught you, you could get fired. But if you, you had three times to put yourself in the rehab. So the second time I put myself in the rehab was in 88. And uh, I, I finished my 28 days and I got I started attending church again because I, I knew who my higher power was. I always knew who God was because if you listen to the beginning of the show, I told you that my, my parents raised me as a Christian in the Baptist church. I always had to go to uh, Sunday school and things like that. So I knew who I believed in. I knew who I was. And so when I got out, I went back to church. But this time, I didn't want a church that was going to be hooping and hollering. I wanted somebody to be able to tell me something. Because I came out of church with hoopers and all great singing and hooping preachers. I had been there. But I had never sat under a preacher that could really teach me the word of God. And I was blessed that year to go to that to the preacher. And what was bad about it, after being with my um, high school sweethearts uh, since she was with me, grade until I was 37, about 37 years old, 36, 37, we, we had been together. But by me out in the street, running the street, homongling and doing all kind of things and on the drugs and selling drugs and getting put in and out of jail about the drugs, uh, we split up that June. And so I had already rededicated before we split up. I had already started going back to church because, you know, the Bible says train up a child the way it's going when he's always wanted to part from it. I never wanted to be a preacher, but I just wanted to get back into to going to church. But that August, Something told me just just enroll in Bible college to learn the word of God. And I enrolled in it and I and I got hooked up on that word. It just it was something about the word of God. It just was it it was a part of me. And people started noticing me. And my brother and I had to, my brother just passed by two a little old two. He and I had a dream. And it's, it's coincident we are like a year and four months apart in age. And we had just about virtually the same dream. And he told me this. He said, uh, I dream I've seen you over there standing 
We used to call it Burger Cream Town. They changed it to an apartment where they used to sell malts and stuff like that. And he said that, but they changed it, and it was a parking lot and an apartment. And he said he saw me on a platform that preaching to the people people in the neighborhood. I told you I came out of a pretty rough neighborhood. A lot of people been in prison. They hang out all on street corners and all kind of things. Like, I mean, a lot of people, you know, pool halls and cafes, nightclubs, everywhere. And the way it was, I had so much respect among the guy, my peers, the guy that, that, that run. My brother said, man, uh, when I had dreamed, I was preaching to the people out there. He dreamed it, but he told me, he said, man, they, they, if you had said fight, if you go somewhere and say fight, they'll fight, they'll fight right there with you. Why don't you try to uh, go out there, what's it called, my dream, you were preaching to him. You about to help. And, well, I, I ain't going to say it worked out that way, but uh, both of us had the same dream. But nevertheless, I was in Bible college, and I wasn't going to be a preacher. And so I was, got back in church. And as I started going along, I knew that what God was calling me, what he had set me apart. My second year in seminary, I knew it. My second year in seminary, I knew that I had to call it. I knew what God had did. But in my life, I have some friends that will tell you, when I was like, uh, it might have been second grade, we were coming from school one day. And one of my brothers would tell you this today if he was still living or some guy. We were coming from school one day, and I'm the youngest. I told you I was the youngest. So my other brother, we were rain running because it was raining, and they were ahead of me. And they couldn't leave me because my mother would, would want to kill him if they left her baby. And, I'm, and we were running, and all of a sudden, this thing like a white light flew down in, in the front of us. A white light. It was lightning. It looked like a white light flashed in the front of me. I jumped in the air, and the lightning struck the concrete under my feet and buckled it. It went up. And and my brother and them seen it, and it, it was right on the side of a church on the corner of uh, 15 and that 15 and uh, South Boulevard. And I did that, and then they had a rock festival in McCray. We were doing drugs with white guys and things like that. It's called Celebration of Life. It's in McCray, Louisiana. You can look it up. So many people were OD and they had, I had looked like about 100,000 people out there more, but it was a rock con for, for weeks going on, nothing but drug doing and naked women, just everything going on. And the boat capsized with me and there were two other white guys. Well, the two white guys drowned, and I swam out the Chapalai River, and the current is strong, and the river is wide. And um, I have a friend, he's in California now, his name Eric Carey, and he, he once he told me, he said, well, you know, God always had his uh, hand on you because the things that you went through, he had something for you to do, and he never allowed you to you know, like to, to get hurt or, or different things that he did. And my brother would say the same thing. For some reason, God always had his hand on me. And I didn't know. And I had people tell me, tell me you're a preacher. And I'm going, man, you must be out your mind. You don't know I'm, I'm a thug. <laughs> and uh, 
Uh, that year, my second year in seminary, I, I set my call and my pastor. I was going to church, and I was just sitting all the way in the back, the very last pew. Then I noticed I was going to Bible study. I got about midways, and he asked me one day, he see me, because he taught, taught seminary. He asked me, he said, uh, uh, Laverda, I, uh, I need to ask you a question. Have God called you? to the ministry. I said to him, I admitted to him, yes, but I was afraid because so many people, it wasn't a, a real small church, but so many people in that church knew about the drugs, knew that I, I was about me hanging out with a rough, with some rough characters now and 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 the caliber of people that I, I, I hung out with. And uh, by how I carry myself in nightclubs, running the ladies and, and acting, they acting crazy. I have some friends of mine. I guess they're on here tonight, and they know because we ran the streets together. And uh, I know when I first started off preaching, I had a lot of my friends could not believe that this was me, that I was really, I was, I really had did this, but I was nevertheless I was in seminary and. Uh, I, I, I uh, he asked me. He said, "Well, I want you to come and I want you to come sit in the pulpit with me." And I refused to for almost a year because I was worried about what other people said. And he told me these words, Pastor William. He said that the Lord is going to demand you to be where you need to be because, hmm. like I said, I was afraid to do it because I was worried about what people would say about me. Okay. And uh, it, it ended up coming out that uh, 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 that was in January, and he did then. So he asked me again in about April or May about coming up. I told him, no, I wasn't coming in full of it. And I explained to him why. And he told me, he said, uh, Jeremiah, the scriptures say that, don't be afraid of their faces. I wasn't afraid of them, but I faced it, but I knew they knew what I used the lifestyle I used to live. And I didn't think, I, I almost looked at if you as a Christian like you always was, was was good, that you wasn't doing anything wrong, and that people would go, always look at me in a negative content, context, rather. And um, so come that August, I think it was a Tuesday, because we were going to have Bible study. I couldn't sleep that Tuesday night and I say, well, something wrong. And then, then it dawned on me, you haven't been able to sleep because you're not answering God's call to the ministry. So I say, well, I know what I'm going to do with Bible study that Wednesday. I would tell Reverend, Reverend Alvin A. Francois in 1990, which I think which it was 1990, I would take the calling that I would answer my calling and come in the pulpit with me. So that was, uh, I answered that calling in, in, in 1990. And uh, I ended up, that was when my calling came. I answered that calling and uh, he asked me to come to the pulpit. And I had been in seminary for about two years. So I, I had learned a good little, good bit of stuff, but I'm a person like this. If 
I take on anything if I'm a pipe fitter, if I'm a machine. I want to be the best. I didn't get into it for not to know what I'm doing. And so I, when I when I started preaching, I wanted to pick those books up. I already had a gift of reading comprehension, so I I had that ability. So what what happened was I started learning at at a stunning rate. I started. I I could pick up Greek. I could do the Hebrew, the Greek. I could just pick up any class that they were giving me. And uh, and the instructors in the seminary was going like, uh, "Who is this guy? This guy is good. He's sharp." And before you know it, I I, I, I was teaching, and by uh, my fourth year, I started this. Uh, let me do some teaching. And so uh, that's when I got my calling. I got my calling um, after my second time going to. Uh, God had to set me apart and clean me up uh, like he did Paul. He had to clean me up uh, to, 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 you know, answer his calling. And my pastor uh, uh, asked me to come in the pulpit because he seen me trying to straighten my life up and, and go in the seminary. And he invited me. So I uh, ended up accepting uh, the call. And so the rest is sort of history. I mean, everything worked out fast for me like you know beginning to be a pastor it wasn't four years later i had a church i was pastoring a church after you know i answered the calling so uh we we we, we today we uh uh had our church anniversary and we and we um, our church anniversary it was our 105th year church anniversary we had today so god had blessed me to be there for 27 other years Amen. What's your next question? Amen. Amen. Uh, we at the top of the hour, Pastor. We're gonna take a quick break. Come back and uh, go step into some other questions. And uh, we got some people holding. I'm sure some people are gonna want to ask some questions after a while. So we're gonna uh, uh, move on with this break. Everybody, you're listening to Raising the Sound, Breaking Chains on this Sunday. Our special guest today is Pastor Doctor Lavert Kemp. Hang on, you'll be able to talk to him here shortly. Eight five eight three five seven nine one three seven. Raising the sound on YAT Radio. Good afternoon, and thanks for logging on to YAT Radio. It's time for Breaking Chains, Raising the Sound, featuring the spirit-filled, soothing sound of a mind-blowing experience. Sponsored by the Williams Music Group.
Listening to Breaking Chains. Call in live during the show at 858-357-9137. And listen live on our website at youngadultstalk.org. All right. Thank you, big bro. Welcome back to the show, Breaking Chains, raising the sound on this Sunday uh, with our very special guest, our overseer here at Breaking Chains, Young Adults Talk, uh, uh, Pastor Dr. Lavert Kemp is our special guest this afternoon. All right, Pastor, good evening. Let's get into the second hour. Okay, this is what we need to do in this hour here, Pastor. Uh, we need to throw a couple of questions out there. Uh, quick to the point answers, because we've got a lot of people on the line, and I'm not sure how many people want to talk to you. So uh, we've got to make them short, to the point, and sweet. So let's run this thing like we do our two-minute warning through the week. So here's the first thing. I want you to um, – I need you to say something uh, to society today, God's children, uh, about, you know – from what you had to go through to where we are today and what you're seeing and, and the special anointing that's on your life. A lot of people don't even know what the anointing is. Uh, uh, so no, no disrespect to anyone, but there's a lot going on that the church seems like it's not doing what our assignment was given to us in the great commission by Christ, you know? So talk about that pastor. Where are we today uh, compared to what the word of God says to us? Well, today, uh, I, w- I would say today, what's wrong with the church today is we're caught up on miracles and other things like that and money. We have what you call a health and wealth doctrine, not a saving doctrine, the saving grace of God. We're not that. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ begins when Mary was told that she would conceive a child not by man, but the Holy Spirit. And you're going to name, you should name him Jesus, but he shall save his people from their sin. That is the alpha of Jesus. That's his beginning. The omega of Jesus was when he died on the cross, he died for the sins of the world. That's what he came to do. He, He was born to die for the sins of the world. He said, I come but to seek and save that which was lost. I come but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But we teach everything but saving, going out and saving lost souls. The Muslim could walk the street and try to save and bring people in. The Jehovah's Witness, the Seventh-day Adventist, everybody peddled the street but Christians. We come to church and we dance and we have a glorified concert. And it's nothing about reaching out and lifting that poor kid that's caught up on drugs. The, the, the lady who just came from prison, the man that came from prison, we look down on them because we are a little more successful. And the only time that we should look down on someone is when we're bending down to pick that person up. The Bible declares that 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 God is no respect of a person. He doesn't care what degree you have. I have all sorts of degrees. After I, I, I changed my life, I got got 
Ph.D. in theology. I went to another school and got another bachelor in education with religious education. I mean, I have them, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know, biblical. What you call them? Uh, I, I come through with it, but uh, I, I, I have it. But that doesn't mean anything. What means everything is God. And our whole premises today is everybody want to be here. Nobody want to be sick. But everybody in this world that was created by God, you have a time to die. Yes, you're going to get sick. You're going to age. You have what you call a mortal body. A mortal body gets sick. It gets old. It dies. But the blessing is you have eternal life. You have that body decay and die, but that spirit goes to live with God. And that's what we're supposed to be teaching people and trying to save them. And feeding, they say, when I was thirsty, did you give me a drink? When I was hungry, did you feed me? You see what I'm saying? He said, say, when I was naked, did you clothe me? When I was homely, did you take me in? Say, when I was sick, did you visit me? When I was in prison, did you come see me? He said, what you do to the least of them, you've done unto me. These are the things that the church should be doing but we're running around here talking about we're laying hands on people and they're going to walk and things and nobody's walking and greater, greater. He was talking to his apostles, greater, greater works that you will do. But he was talking to the apostles and we take it that we're supposed to be doing greater than what Christ did. I live in Baton Rouge right at the Mississippi River and I would love to come see anybody walk that way. That, that's a river. The largest river in Louis in the United States. It is a river. I mean, it has a strong current and it's deep. Come walk it. If you say greater works than you would do than him. The thing is we need to stop trying to save lost so Jesus from Alpha, I tell you, gave him to his mother and he named him Jesus. Or not well, uh, yeah, Yeshua. Yeshua means salvation. That Joshua. Yahshua is no is, is no such thing as a J in the uh, Greek uh, uh, other alphabet, Hebrew alphabet. It's supposed to be a Y, Yahshua. There's uh, <laughs> so much that we're doing that's not biblical that the church did. Then when Jesus died, he gave a great commission to the church. But we don't want to do that. We go around and God talking about we prophesizing and God want me the church to buy me a jet and God don't want the man of God to ride around and nothing nothing broke down. Jesus says, Bird foxes have whole birds of there have a nest, but the son of man have no way which to lay his head. I would anybody that disagree with me, Google how many rich people were there in the Bible. Now if you say this everybody in the Bible was spiritually rich, I might go along with you. But only it was only a few people were really classified as rich in the entire Bible. But they tell you that if you give them your money, that you're going to be rich. But I submit to you read First uh, Timothy six and five, and that'll put it into anything. Uh, prosperity gospel. Yes, I prosper. And and when he talk about prospering, look up the definition of blessed and prospering in a Bible dictionary. And you'll find out that it doesn't mean it did. And I heard the pastor say about the word, a term anointing. We be, ooh, that person's so anointed because he's saying good, uh, 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 he hoop or he sound good. That that has nothing to do with anointing. That's far away from the anointing. Get your Bible dictionary and see what the Bible dictionary say the anointing means. 
two things. One of them is it's a ceremonial thing that you become a pastor, evangelist, and through the ceremony they pull all as a symbolic thing, gesture of you being set apart. The second definition that you're going to get out of Bible dictionary is to reveal knowledge of God. When that Bible gets revealed to you and God teaches you what to do and, and teaches you what the Bible is saying, that's when you're anointed. See, when God anointed Aaron, Aaron knew every ceremonial thing and everything God wanted him to do. When David was a little smelly shepherd boy, when he was anointed, then he knew everything that he wanted that, that, that God wanted him to do, and he could write about it. Every time God anointed came on somebody, they was able to fulfill a duty that they were not trained to do, and they were able to write about it. David, in the psalm, David wrote so many things after he was anointed because David wasn't the chosen one. Now, uh, Jesus had to wait till his anointed, his anointed time had to come because he was a carpenter until he was about 30 years old, and then it was his time. That's when you remember he went in the, in, in the uh, synagogue and said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And the most important part, they say, and when he was finished, he told him this day that this scripture had been fulfilled in your face. The reason Jesus did all these healings and things was to, uh, to authenticate, to let the people know, I'm the one you've been looking for. And none of you guys are going to control the winds and the sea. None of you are going to raise the dead. None of you are going to do all these things. But I can do them because I'm the one that God, the son of God who he sent. So I, I want to tell you the church should get busy and really teach the true word of God. Quit trying to um, beat the people out of their money, being poor pit pimps and uh, serenading the women and trying to dress all flashy and all this other stuff (laughs) and really, really go out after the poor because God put us here to take care of the poor and the needed, not the ones out there begging for to get a drink. He's not talking about that so you don't go around getting everybody your money. Uh, It's people that that really need it, and and, and so we we can do those things. But we're so caught up on things that God is not going to do. I, I, I laughed with Pastor William about when COVID-19 came out. People stopped laying hands because they were scared they were going to get COVID. They were taught, stopped their healing ministries and everybody shut up. <laughs> Every year around income tax time, they, they start prophesying that you're going to get some money. Yes, dummy, you're going to get some money, your income tax coming. And it was going to come before they prophesied at that time. So oftentimes we, we don't play if, if they use the word of God as a con game to, to mm-hmm. you, you, you know, to make the people give more money and the different things like that. Bible says tithes and offerings. And, you know, if you want to give a love offering, that's okay. But uh, you, the preacher shouldn't be just always begging. And during that time, most preachers lived on the same level that the people that their pastor live on, not you driving a pinto or a hoopty, and you wasting all valley making it to church, and he riding up in a Bentley, you know, a Mercedes, you know, a, a Rolls Royce, and, 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 and you on a pair of skates. No, 
God never intended it to be that way. But we allow people to pimper us and do that to us. I've been pastoring, like I say, 27 years. I can't lie to people. I've studied it in the Greek, the Hebrew, and those things that people think that's, that, that it means. It does not mean that, you know, the Bible already told you the poor will be with you. But then at the same time, I would tell you that the days, go get your education and get your Christian education. Study the Bible. Go and live a good life and get your education. I believe that Christian education, secular education, and Christian education equals success. But only true success can be found when you have a true walk with God, not a fake walk with God. I heard him talking about the other night. Night, night, you honor me with your mouth, but your heart is far away from me. Thank you. Amen. Amen. That's good. God bless you for that. Uh, before we open up the line to everybody, uh, I got to find a way to, to, to ask everybody that got a question. So everybody that's listening, that's on the line, if you don't mind, uh, look at your last two digits of your phone number. Your last two digits of your phone number. I'm going to call those last two digits when I open up the line. And if you got a question for Dr. Kemp, you can uh, do that. Or I may have another way of doing it. But I, I got to find a way to get everybody on the line. Here, here, here's one last question for you, Pastor. I want you to put out there, um, like for you to answer. Uh, there are a lot of false prophets out there. There are a lot of uh, evil spirits lurking. Uh, a lot of people that are lost in the dark that are striving or wanting uh, to, to have a life with Christ, uh, but don't know how, don't know what to look for, don't know what to feel. Uh, uh, is can, can you tell them something right now uh, and, and not make it so long for them? Uh, something quick to the point so they can get it and understand what it is. Because it's so much, just like you just said, there's so much going on. What is it that a, a, a person out there that's seeking Christ needs to know uh, most importantly for, uh, in their heart and feel, sir? I would, I, would, I would tell them to understand that Jesus came to save us from our sins and that Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, and Jesus came to take sin out. The major thing that the Bible teaches from front to the back is about sin and how to get away from sin and the spirits that, that, that rule this earth. Uh, I would tell you to stop looking at, at worrying about different things, people telling you to pray and and, 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 and believe and receive and uh, tell you lies about. Uh, I hear people say that you got you had to speak that into existence. Well, first of all, if you go back and read that very same scripture, it was talking about God spoke things into existence. You cannot speak things into existence. You're not omnipotent and you're not omniscient. So uh, I would tell you, really, really, just go to a I would teach and study. But study and learn yourself. Get your dictionary. Get your commentaries. And, 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 and go from there. Find you some very knowledgeable, uh, uh, strong, some of the strongest seminaries in the United States. And you don't want nothing liberal. You don't want nothing charismatic because that means that it's liberal. That means it changed. The Bible says you don't add to or take away. You want conservative uh, conservative commentary, one that gonna let the word be the word and not say it changed at a certain time. 
that the Bible said heaven and earth have passed away, but not one jot of his word had changed. You don't, and then it say you don't add to it, take away from it. So I would tell you to do it that way. Amen, amen, amen. Being 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 a Christian, a child of God, uh, means that you 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 serve the kingdom of God. But also, Pastor, doesn't mean uh, uh, it, it doesn't matter what color a person is if you're a true child of God. Correct. Correct. Uh, Jesus never looked at color. We get this color thing, an ethnic group from uh, Caucasian. They have made, uh, 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 from European people, when I say Caucasian, people from Europe, uh, they have made everything about color, about uh, they're not white, they're they're albinos. Um, They have made everything about race. First of all, Jesus never was white. The people in that area of uh, of North Africa and of that uh, of that Asia was never white. The people of the Bible days wouldn't have never been Caucasian, but for the brainwash us and other uh, ethnic groups, they make everything white. Uh, your patriarch Adam and Eve white. The patriarchs white. The apostles white, the judges white, okay, the prophets white, Jesus white, everybody's white. You would think that no one else had anything to do with the Bible in a black land. One word they tell you in the Bible dictionary that the children of Egypt was Ham, with the was with descendants of Ham, and they of the dark race. But when when Whenever they show you a picture of Egyptian and they have the movies on TV, they're white. They were never white. They were African. But uh, we've been lied to so much by books and things like that, and we've been trained by Caucasians. We've been trained by by, by, by people from European people, and they put their swing on things and have you to believe that everything is is white, and it's not that. They're the last, they're the least person had the least thing to do with the entire Bible. Matter of fact, they leave out the Bible in Genesis 11 chapter and then don't come back until about 300 years before Christ, which may be about 3,000, close to 3,000 years the way they wasn't even in the Bible. So, but if you studied, you learn it. Like uh, I wrote my, my, when I got my master's, I wrote about that. Uh, uh, the African presence in the Bible. I wrote about that to get my master's degree. When I wrote, when for my doctor degree, I wrote about uh, the, uh, the church in the African American community, what we should be doing, and and that should be buying in the franchise, like uh, a national food store franchise, and hiring all your members and don't pay them minimum wage, pay them fifteen dollars an hour and a ten percent discount on whatever they want to purchase from the store. In turn, when you pay them that money, they're going to pay tithe, and they're going to shop from that store. Their relatives are going to shop from that store. So the money that's going out is coming right back, and it's, it's building your church. But now they want a beautiful edifice where, where chandeliers hanging down and all kind of other things, and the preacher get a gigantic salary and talk about you got to take care of the man of God. Well, I stopped by on my way to heaven to tell you guys that 
the man of God is any man that believes in God and believes in Jesus Christ is a man of God. Any female that believes in Jesus Christ is a woman of God, and they're walking in God. Now, I want you to understand that when they say you're supposed to be a member of the Christian faith, the Christian faith is a 365 days a week job, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You don't take off being a Christian. It's with you every day of your life, 24-7. God bless you. Amen, amen. God bless you, Pastor. Thank you for that. <laughs> needed to hear that. I needed that to go out over the airwaves. All right, everybody, listen. I got to make sure that everybody get an opportunity that wants to ask a question and talk to our special guest today. Uh, we have about uh, 20 more minutes in the show. Uh, so so uh, uh, make your question quick. Make your statement quick to him or whatever so he can have a chance to respond. Everybody limit your time and let's get it in. All right, about to open up the phone line. So I'm going to do it this way. Uh, I'm going to try this and let's just see what happens. If, if I say you're on the air with Dr. Kemp, say something. And if you don't hear me say something back to you, uh, uh, if you don't hear your question, that means your line is not open yet. Okay. So I'm going to just do it the best way I can. Cause I got quite a few people hanging on. So y'all forgive me, but let's try this out. Uh, uh, so Dr. Kemp about to open up the lines. Uh, uh, if you know your phone numbers, your last two numbers, your last two digits is 67. 67, do you have any questions for Dr. Kim? God bless you. You are on the air. Uh, last two numbers, 67. That's you. Uh, you're on the air. You got a question for Dr. Kim? Go ahead. Hey, Dr. Kim, how are you? How are you today? Wonderful. God is Great. Good. I didn't really have a question. I just enjoy you. I listen to all the uh, podcasts daily. Um, I just love the information that you give us, all that knowledge that you found us, and I just want to say, uh, thank you for sharing everything that you have learned and that you know with us. And we really do appreciate you. Yes, and I ma'am. do enjoy you talk show also. Thank you so much. Amen. Oh, thank you and God bless you. God bless it's, you. It's, 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 it's really a, a pleasure um, to share the things that God has uh, given me and the things that he has enlightened me with with, 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 with the people who are listening on uh, I spent a lot of time studying and, and uh, going to school and studying and, and practicing what I preach. And, uh, yes, and we greatly, so greatly appreciate that. I'm, I'm thankful Thank for that. For and to know that uh, it's appreciated is something that really, really touched my heart. Okay. Amen. I just wanted to let you know that. Thank you so much. God Amen. bless you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for that. All right, moving on down the line here. Uh, your last two digits is a 51. 51, I want to open up your line there. Uh, if you got a question, statement, comment for Dr. Kemp, you are on the air with him right now live. Go ahead. Your last two digits is 51. I hope everybody knows their phone number. <laughs> number 51, you're on the air. Okay. Well, we thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. We know you're there. So thank you for turning us on today. We pray that something was said that touched your heart. All right, here's a voice I hadn't heard in a long time. I see he's here. I want to say God bless you. Good evening to you, Elder Melvin. God bless you, sir. Oh, good evening, my friend. Uh, good evening, everybody in Radio Land. Those that are in Christ and those that are not in Christ. I just want to tell Pastor, you know, uh, I 
I think I, I did a song, Give Me My Flowers, while I can smell them. What I don't like when people pass and we put all these flowers on the grave. That person, he can't enjoy it, he can't smell it. So, Pastor, I'm going to give you a flower now, man. You are amazing. And it's, it's, it's a blessing to have somebody. I know many of you all are listening all over the world. But I'm right here with him. I drove to his house the other day. I can just sit down on the porch and talk with him. And, you know, to me, that is a great blessing. I take it. I call him constantly all the time. I just want to say, Pastor, keep on doing what you are doing until he says that is enough. Thank you. Well, I, I really appreciate, uh, uh, Minister Melvin, I really appreciate what you just said. And uh, it's, it's my prayer that I, I say something, that something is said or done when I share that will um, help someone and uh, to try to put some simplicity into uh, what we're doing. It's been like people complicated, and it's really not complicated. It's it's, it's about a lifestyle, and uh, I, I appreciate you. And uh, uh, you just don't know what I really appreciate. I appreciate everything God has done for me in the past and where he brought me from. So uh, I just want to let you know I really appreciate you, and, and thank you for the flowers while I'm living. I really appreciate it. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for that. All right, moving on down the line. Uh, uh, like I said, I hope everybody know their phone number. Uh, uh, your last two digits is ninety-three. How about caller number ninety-three? Last two digits of your phone number is ninety-three. You're on the air with Doctor Kemp. Got a question, statement, comment for him? You're live on the air. God bless you. Good evening. All right. Won't hold it up. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Uh, uh, how about just moving on down the line? How about this one here? Call a number. Uh, your last two digits of your number is uh, 07. 07. If you'd like to ask something for Dr. Kemp, you're on the air live with him now. God bless you. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a couple of things to say. Really more of a compliment. I, I tune in maybe 45 minutes late today, but I caught the good part, you know, when he was kind of like walking through his life from in the world until, you know, being a preacher. You know, I knew uh, Pastor Kemp in both worlds. And like I say, you know, like he was a leader when he was out in the streets, and, and right now he's a bigger leader in the church. And like I say, you know, I've been knowing him forever. And uh, me personally, my people went to another church, but I called him the doctor, well, Pastor Kemp Church. I call him Lee Burke because, you know, we go way back. And just what he said on his radio station, that's him, you know, Everything, you know, like uh, he was like he was a leader out there, and he, and he was true, and he more true in the church. And like I say, you know, like he undressed me sometimes, but I still go there because I know him. I know where he came from, and and he don't, you know, like he don't separate God's word. He give it to you like it is, and like you know, and just to hear him tell his testimony to me, that's what it was. And you know, it's a blessing, you know, to even know a person like that, you know. And uh, and there's not many people like like Leeward, you know, and like and and more people should try to get to know him because he is the real deal, you know. There ain't nothing phony about him, nothing wasn't phony about him when he was running the street. And like he he's a stronger man in the word of God right now, you know, and like I say, 
Um, you know, I come down, I visit, I'm, I'm coming to his church, you know, because, you know, the people that in there, they done went through things, and, and they, they recognize who God uses, and he uses uh, Dr. Kemp, and I'm going to get off the phone and let other people talk, but, you know, like I say, you know, when you go to his church, you're coming there to hear the truth, you're coming there because you know his past, and you're coming there because you know God used him, and that's who God used people with a rough past sometimes, and then there's no mistake about it that he's legit. And you know, and you know, God don't use perfect people. It has nothing. But you know, Lee Boyd, he just like he was a good preacher. He was opposite in the street. He was, you know, he was a good crook. And you know, and like I say, you know, and whatever he said, you know, it's true. And like I say, I know him, and I'm smiling right now. And like I say, you know, I got the program just right. Amen. And, you know, he's my friend. He's my friend. He's gonna be there. So I'm gonna get off him and let somebody else go. Amen. I, I would I would just like to say I, I that brother Russell and we grew up together. We were we were, were terrible on the streets when we ran the streets together. And uh, if you mess with one of us, you had to mess with us. I mean, and we that Knuckle Russell. <laughs> he he's living in in Arkansas right now. So if you see his number, it's an Arkansas number. But uh, he had a nice little. Uh, uh, a biography he wrote. He wrote about himself and the things that he went through and his walk with God and what did his walk with God. And you'd have to know where we came from and the things that we did in our past. How God really is using us and what He said is true and what I said is truth about myself. And but both of us, we were pretty much walking the same path. So I I, <clears throat> I look at it and so when He come down. He always come and visit the church. Matter of fact, he joined the church um, a couple months ago, but he still lives in in um, in Little Rock. But he go to church there. But this is his home church that he have with me because he know who I am and he know that I'm not that the things that I do and the book knowledge I have and things like that. Uh, you know, it's real. So I really appreciate hear that coming from. Uh, a real good friend of mine. I know he's a real friend to me, and he's going to always be that way with me. Thank you very much, Brother Russell. God bless you, Knuckle Russell. Amen. 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 God bless you, sir. Thank you for that. All right, uh, moving on down. Caller number zero zero, last two digits zero zero, and uh, no, Dr. Kim, that's not you. That's somebody else there. Uh, zero zero. Uh, uh, you, you're on the air with Dr. Kim. God bless you. Thank you for calling in. You got something for him. Your mic is open. Okay, well, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Uh, moving on down, caller number 17. Last two digits of your number is 17. Uh, you're on the air with Dr. Kim. God bless you. Thank you for calling in. You're on the air with him. Questions, statements, or comments. Well, you know, Dr. Kim, love that you call in, so we we glad that you got your ears on. Uh, breaker, breaker, one nine. Thank you very much. All right, caller number fifteen. Caller number fifteen. Last two digits is fifteen. You're live on the air with Dr. Kim. God bless you. Welcome to the radio. Uh, your mic is on. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. First, giving honor to God who's the head of my life. To everyone that's on the line, want to thank God for what I've heard, and I do touch and agree with the. Uh, uh, pastor that spoke when he spoke I heard him say that people are worrying about healing but you know uh, more so with me I feel like they're more or less worried about 
money and not the souls. Praise God. Because that's what we are supposed to do as far as being, excuse me, what did I say something I wasn't supposed to say? No, ma'am. I, I agree with you. Okay. I totally oh, okay. agree with you. Okay. We'll, they're supposed to be more so about the souls, you know, because that's the, 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 the church, the people in the church are the church, the ones that are saved. They are the church. You go to the building, to the sanctuary, it's supposed to be a hospital for those that are lost that need to be saved Amen. from an unadulterated Amen. world. You know, God Amen. is good to us. He's great. He's great. And, and he said something else that touched me. He said that when when the word said that we're supposed to do greater work, it's not us doing the work. It's the spirit, the Holy Spirit within us. It's God working through us that does the work. It's not us. We can't do nothing outside of God. God has the first and the last say so in everything. And I thank him for what he said because he opened up a, a can of worms for me and let me know that God is real. And he is real and people need to let the, you got to pray. The, the word tells us to study to show our self-approval. Study, you got to read, just like you go to school to learn how to do something, you got to study God's word and ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you into all truth, which will lead you into all truth and understand. You can't understand it without God getting in God's word and study because he will open it up to you and let you know just what it's saying. And then the word tells us to ask for wisdom. He will give it to you. You got to have a sincere heart. You got to come before him seeking. You got to pull off and pull on. Pull off the old man and put on the new man daily. You got to die to flesh. You can't do it with a carnal mind. Praise God for you, Pastor. And I thank God for you. May God continue to bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I I totally agree with you, what you you were saying. And when I, 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 I was in... I, I, I'm not on mute, and so I said amen, and you thought I was trying to come in. No, I wasn't. I was just saying I agree with too many people are, are not trying to save lost souls. We're not trying to reach those who are lost, and the soul winner's crown is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be building the kingdom of God, God, and that's when you save people, you're building up his kingdom. You're, you're populating his kingdom. And that's our job to do, but we've gone on things whereas we're uh, 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 letting things that thing that's mundane, that's a materialistic thing, overtake the things that are spiritual. See, we live in a spiritual realm, and we need to understand that communication with God in that spiritual realm. But so many people are, I'm going to say this, let me hear up and say this. When uh, when Elisha... Uh, well, Elijah was uh, out, and he was telling the children of Israel every time that these different armies was going to attack them, he would tell them to travel another way. Well, they, they, they was about to start they to spy in the group, and so they said, yeah, was lying. They said, no, we don't have, we don't have, it's the prophet that the children of Israel have named Elisha. And, um, so they say, well, I want him to go get him, and they camped all around him, all around him. And when his servant got up that morning to go get water and to bring stuff in, he looked outside, and he seen the mountains all around were surrounded, covered with soldiers. And he ran back in, and he told Elijah, he said, he said, Master, let's go. 
They're all around us. But Elijah, when he woke up, he went outside, and when he looked up, he didn't see the armies. He seen angels around them. And so he said these powerful words, open his eyes that he might see. See, he couldn't see through spiritual eyes. People are not able to see through spiritual eyes today. They're seeing what they want to see and not what God mm. wants to see. See, that man, see, we look at a problem and see how big our problem instead of telling that problem how big our God is. See, the servant's seeing a problem, but Elijah saw the solution. And he saw angels, and he knew that God would never leave him nor forsake him. God bless you. Uh, it's my prayer. Amen. 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 All right. Next caller. Uh, last two digits is one, two, one, two, one, two. Uh, testing one, two, one, two. Uh, you're on the air with uh, Pastor Kemp. Uh, caller number one, two. God bless you. All right. All right. All right. How about caller four, eight? Caller four, eight. Caller four, eight. You're live on the air with Dr. Kim. God bless you. Your mic is live. Caller number four, eight. All right, go take one more and one more. Oh seven, oh seven, oh seven. Calling number oh seven. And well, we just pray that something was said that touched your heart tonight. And uh, thank you for hanging out with Doctor Kemp, our overseer, our special guest. We're gonna take a quick, quick break. We come back. We'll get his final comments and uh, pray us out of here. Thank you all for everybody for being here, it's raising the sound with Pastor Doctor Levert Kemp on Breaking Chains. Why AT Radio?
You're listening to Breaking Chains, Raising the Sound on YAT Radio. All right. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the show, Raising the Sound, with our very special guest, our overseer, Pastor Dr. LaVert Kim. Uh, what a powerful, powerful show. I uh, just want to thank everybody for coming on. Our Black History honoree tonight is our very own honoree, uh, our overseer, uh, uh, Pastor Dr. LaVert Kim, because he has uh, lived through some times, man, that brought history uh, to light tonight, and uh, we thank him for that. Uh, we'll be back on the air Tuesday. We'll not be on the air tomorrow. Uh, I'm, I'm taking a day off, y'all. Tomorrow is my birthday, so I'm going to celebrate my born day and give God all the honor, glory, and praise, breathing breath, that he let me wake up in the morning to see it. So we'll be back here Tuesday with History Talk with Dr. LaVert Kemp. All right, Pastor, give your comments and uh, prayers up out of here, sir. <laughs> yes, I would like to just say that uh, everyone that he had to bring him from somewhere. So if anyone out there, don't thank God, call him because you, your lifestyle in your past did not fit, uh, do not fit what the Bible teaches. Uh, that has That's not relevant. Uh, if you go back and if you find that Adam and Eve both stumbled and fell, but then it was Abraham that was a house worshiper that God called to make a nation out of him. And it was Abraham who had a son called Isaac, which they were marrying that cousin. And Isaac had two, two twin sons born. Esau and Jacob, and the name Jacob named Trickster. And he was a trickster. He was a liar and a trickster. And God used him to form the blessed. The, the Jews are not the blessed people. The children of Israel is the blessed. The 12 tribes of Israel is the blessed ones, okay? The 12 tribes of Israel. But this same man, they came from what you call a trickster, a man that put a low-down tricks. And that that's what then the next person that came about was Moses. Moses was a was a murderer. But God used him. Then if you even go further and start using David, David was a adulterer and a murderer. He couldn't build a temple because he had too much blood on his hand. Now, now you have to understand that when you start going through the different prophets and things, that all of these people were, 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 were folks that had something in their life that they did wrong. So what I want to say is, don't let be, let yourself be limited. The apostle Paul could be considered a, a mass murderer. So I want you to uh, just to think about it. When God calls you, answer and there's nothing too hard for God. Yes. Heavenly Father, we come in the matchless name, name of Jesus. And Lord, that you open our And Lord, open our minds to be receptive to your word. Now, Heavenly Father, crown us here with both wisdom and knowledge from on high. Now, Lord, I ask Lord, in the name Lord, of Jesus, Lord, Lord, that you will look you upon this ministry, Lord, and continue it to build it otherwise coming down and spread this where we lead and guide all of us, Lord, in the way that you would have us to go. Give this ministry what it needs, Lord, and bless, edify, and sanctify your servant that's over these ministries. 
Pastor Williams. Lord, I pray that today and every time that we speak and have something on breaking change, Lord, that we'll say something and someone will receive something that will glorify you. For your word says, if you be lifted up, you'll draw all men unto you. And you say, how can a man come unless he's drawn? And how can he be drawn unless he's drawn by the Spirit? We have no power, but the Spirit that you, that the power through the Spirit that you give us. Now, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for past blessing, present blessing. I'd like to pray for my grandson. My grandson was, well, he wasn't gunned down, but he was shot last night uh, out in the world. He was shot last night. Uh, he and two others, his girlfriend and another. I'm praying for them. I lost two for his cousins this morning at the same time, but they were elderly, and uh, I'm praying for them too. I pray for my family with them and uh, pray for my grandson, his girlfriend, and his friend, uh, speedy recovery. And, Lord, I pray for everyone out there, Lord, and I pray for love. And, and, and joy and peace in, in this world that we're in. And um, I love everybody, black, white, rich, or poor. Uh, God is no respect of a person, and God is a spirit, and the day that worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. The fervent prayer of the righteous availing much, so man should always pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for protecting us from seen and unseen danger. Now, Lord, we ask, Lord, that that you would... You would as we prepare to leave this ministry, this radio station that we never leave for from your presence, may the grace of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ, with the love of God and the sweet, sweet communion of your Holy Spirit, God, let us all respond. Amen, amen, and God bless everybody. I love everybody, black, white, rich, or poor, and it ain't nothing that you could ever do about it. Good night. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor. We love you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take your time out of your Sunday evening. And God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We love everybody that listens. Thank you. We'll see you back here Tuesday evening, 7 p.m. with History Talk with Dr. LaVert Kim. Stay hydrated. Stay blessed. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Breaking Chains, Raising the Sound on YAT Radio, featuring the spirit-filled, soothing sound of a mind-blowing experience. Sponsored by the Williams Music Group. Thanks for turning us on this evening. Just know we are here to assist you in recovering your light from back from the darkness. Speak the truth with Young Adults Talk Live, a ministry for the people of God. So let's join together and recover what's ours. God bless you from the Young Adults Talk family.